We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. Uh, I'm going to ride solo in the open here, and then we'll transition to our guest in just a little bit. But there's some stuff at the at the outset here that I want to cover. Obviously, want to once again thank anybody who took the time to give some donations. If you've been missing podcasts, I like to keep people apprised of what's going on at some point in the future. Again, we're going to be going to a subscription model, a very affordable subscription model. Not going to ask much. Some free content, some subscription stuff are not there yet, but we had a guest offer to send us some money. He uh, kind of challenged people to match that. It makes me very uncomfortable asking for money, but we met the request. And if you uh, still want to, uh, you know, donate to kind of just the, the community we're forming here, um, the ability and so many of you have been so generous, going to improve the, the product that we put out, the mic, the software, everything. Um, really excited about that because of your guys' donations. So, so thank you for that. You can find the links to that in the bio of this podcast if you would like to do so. On the Browns front, um, I, I do want to cover injuries because that's obviously important. Thursday, Friday practices with injuries are very important. The Browns were back out on the field. So here's who did not practice. Joel Batonio, he's pushing to play, but the back is still something that they're being very careful with. Friday practice for him will be important. Okay, You get... Another DNP from Kanasich, he's probably not going to be active. Okoronkwo Pectoral, he'll be out again. Things not trending well for Juan Thornhill. He was a DNP in this one, so that's two straight. Again, don't feel very good about him playing in this one. Anthony Walker went from limited to a DNP with a knee issue, so he won't be involved. Um, he wasn't involved Thursday. We'll see. Friday again will be important for him, and then uh, Joe Flacco, who was on uh, an Unlimited with a calf yesterday is back to full practice. Okay, so that alleviates any concern there. On the Texans side, Will Anderson, it does not look like the talented uh, early selected first-round edge from Bama is going to play. He's a great player. High ankle sprain, didn't play last week. We'll talk to our guest about that. Not trending in a great direction. And then C.J. Stroud on the DMP side as well. They got back some important people continuing to push in the right directions. Uh, Nico Collins, he was limited once again. Uh, and then you will see Laramie Tunzel uh, was back full practice with the knee label. 
So he went from DMP to full, and then Jimmy Ward, a safety who's important for them, is a limited. Friday will be important for that. So just wanted to cover some of those things that happened on the injury front. We got time with the coordinators today. Always good to hear Bubba Ventrone's special teams talking about his guys graduating, right? Uh, guys like DeAnthony Bell, core special teamers getting a chance. Uh, he had some great things to say about Corey Bohorquez and how he's been punting, holding, operating his job. Uh, uh, nothing but encouraging things to hear from Bubba. You did hear from Alex Van Pelt, who talked a little bit about the pickup stuff that they're doing. Pickups are, you know, they're guys getting to the play when it ends and picking up their teammates. They track those as a means of team camaraderie, team chemistry. And they, they apparently pass out a little toy pickup truck. Uh, David Njoku was in the locker room talking about this Ford F-150 little toy pickup truck. Just a thing they do, right, to, to build better team chemistry. Obviously, all the little things they're doing are quite clearly working here. So uh, kudos to them. But, yeah, and not, nothing else groundbreaking from the OC side. They kind of uh, addressed Flacco and the calf, you know, talking about that he would be fine. But nothing crazy. The thing that stood out to me was Jim Schwartz getting in front, obviously talking about Miles as he does. But he made another interesting point as he continues the – this sort of bravado about the defense, the attitude, the swagger, talked about how they're the best third-down defense in the NFL, and there's some metrics that favor they're one of the best you know, across the board in the last 10, 15 years uh, collectively here. So excited to hear Schwartz sort of you know, stick their chest out a little bit. They need to play with confidence, even in the turmoil that they're dealing with with injuries. But they talked about JOK, which if you've been following this pod for a while, you know me, a huge believer in JOK. And he had a very interesting quote as this third-year linebackers figuring things out. We've been tracking at the OBR how often he's playing, you know, what kind of uh, role he has, and things have evolved through the year, and he's hitting, you know, hitting a peak at the right time. And what Jim Schwartz had to say I thought was really cool. So let's jump over to that quick quote from Jim Schwartz on Jeremiah Wusu koromo Minor point, Coach, why wasn't he okay on the field for that play when he was on the first yeah, the first half, uh, the first half, Hal Mary was different personnel group, and it was more just a zone get back. The last play of the game, we were in a different personnel package, um, a dime package. But you know, I would say this about JOK: we're he's he's getting more and more involved in all our packages. His step as a young player was sort of mastering his own position first. And, you know, he had a little bit of ups and downs, but he was making good progress. He's played at a really high level the last um, the last month or so. And um, we've made a big point to try to get him more on those things. It it's, puts more on his plate, having to do techniques that he hasn't done before, lead the huddle, um, do those kind of things that he hasn't done before. But, um, you know, Sione did a good job on that play. Sione did exactly what he was supposed to do. And, you know, that's generally been Anthony Walker's position, you know. Um, and then, you know, a, a short week, well, not a short week, but when AWOC couldn't play before the game, it's probably a little bit too late to get Jeremiah in that role. But you're going to see Jeremiah in some of those third down roles. It's, it's time for him not to leave the field for us. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit more ask of him. And, um, but he's up for it. And, um, you know, he's, he's an impact player for us. And I've been really proud of the progress that he's made. So some great things to unpack there, obviously talking about the strides he's made as a will linebacker. Now, if you know the difference between will and Mike linebackers, usually Mike linebackers operate inside the tackle box exclusively. They're usually taking on tougher assignments in the run game. 
more interior lineman driven, and they call the defense. So the the reason JOK is more of a will is the body type fits that more because he can play with speed. You can get creative with him in rush situations, bring him off the edge, drop him into curl flat. He can man up running back, sometimes slot slot players as well. So there's a completely different, as Schwartz said, group of things he needs to know to do to, to be able to handle playing Mike linebacker, right? When teams bring on a sixth defensive back, they will traditionally keep the mic on because he's the communicator, pull the wheel, bring a defensive back, right? You can get even crazier and have a defensive lineman leave, so you could have three down linemen, two linebackers. The Browns have done some of that stuff. That was more Joe Woods like to have the 3-2 look, right? More of that dime 3-2, but for the most part, Schwartz likes to keep his rush guys on the field, take a backer off, bring a DB on, and then get really funky creative. Well, they're deciding, and I think appropriately, that JOK should not be removed from the field when that happens. He's one of your best 11 defenders. Let's find a way to keep him out there more often. There were eight snaps of dime in the game against the Bears. He was on the field for two of those eight, which is abnormal. He's normally not. He did some different things. He was like sort of delay spying Justin Fields. He did some delay blitzes. You'll probably remember him kind of rushing up the middle when they were in man, he did some green dog stuff. So if the back stayed in, he had full, you know, permission to to get downhill and rush the quarterback on a lane that he thought was open if that back is in on protection. So he is diverse. Obviously, we know he can do a bunch of different unique stuff, but they want to keep him on the field often. So that means he needs to learn a couple different things, right? How to play Mike in dime situations, how to call plays, how to communicate, how to get that to him, right? You can't have two green dots on the field at the same time. So there's a level of figuring out the sort of, you know, bits and pieces, how the operation comes together to make that work for him. But uh, I think that they're right in trying to have him on the field as often as possible and not take one of your best 11 off. So I expect to see an uptick, not just based on what Schwartz said, but based on what I think the film is telling us in his um, ability to be on the field in those specific blitz, late down dime situations that they're talking about. And that's encouraging for him to become a whole player because the route you can take here is he just becomes your green dot, but he still plays will. And then he just slides over to Mike in those scenarios where they only have one linebacker on the field, right? Uh, it's not a knock to talkie talkie, not like he's failing, right? I don't think it's like Anthony Walker. Those guys are not valuable. I just think that the, you know, the best linebacker should be on the field as often as possible. Right? So, I think that's the right decision to make. We'll see how they apply it the rest of the way, but he is really on the uptick. He is flying around the football field, making a ton of positive plays for the Browns defense. And I'm telling you, it's a really good thing. He's trending toward a second contract as he should. He's that valuable. He overcomes a lot of tough decisions from DCs. He makes plays that he has no business getting to at times. He's an improving pass defender, in my opinion. Instincts are getting better. Timing's getting better. All the little bits and pieces are improving over the first three years. He had a great first year, had some injury issues. They've talked about him coming back stronger this year, the diet change. All of those things are pushing in the right direction. So nothing but encouraging things to hear. And that is what stood out to me most from the coach's coordinator side of what we heard in Berea today. So wanted to share that specifically with you. We're going to get over to our Behind Enemy Lines segment. You guys know I prefer to do that as often as possible with a guest because they fill us in more than anybody else can about what's going on with a specific team. You can look at depth charts, you can look at stats, but it doesn't tell you everything you need to know. So going to share some time uh, with Cody Stutes, 
right? I think he is a a really good Texans follow at Cody underscore Stutes, S-T-O-O-T-S. He has his own YouTube channel where he is talking Texans, Houston football on YouTube, okay? I think he did a great job on this interview, very thorough, very detailed. It's going to give you a great feel for where the Texans are heading into this game, where the injury situation sit and where the challenges they have with Case Keenum and some of the defensive guys who have been in and out of the lineup. So let's get over to that interview with Cody after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, now we get hyper-focused on the Texans. Have a great guest with us here to, to kind of break everything down. Cody, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, happy to be here, ready to talk about what is a pretty surprising playoff implication matchup between these two teams. Yeah, no doubt. If we'd have talked about this having more implications than draft selection uh, early in the year, I don't I don't think we would have got many believers. But here we are in the midst of two teams, like you said. I don't think either team has to win this game, but both teams would really like to win this game to kind of push their playoff agenda in the right direction. So what we do here, Cody, to start, is uh, and I think you probably have a, a more interesting answer than some some folks we talked to because you guys are ahead of schedule. Talk about the state of the franchise. I don't think you guys expect it to be this good right out of the gate, but CJ's you know ability to guide things and push things in the right direction, mixed with 
you know, uh, obviously D'Amico's ability to guide that defense on top of it has put you guys in a good spot. So give us a feel for where things are sitting right now. You know, they've really put together late 2024 expectations in 2023. I mean, even if you felt like CJ Stroud was going to be a pretty solid quarterback, you couldn't have expected this. He was on his, he was on track to have one of the best rookie seasons ever was going to break all these records. Maybe he still has a couple of records in his sight when he gets back from the concussion issues, but he's really pushed the offense into a whole nother level and the defense with D'Amico Ryan's they added a bunch of veterans. They added a bunch of talent. They changed the way they played defense. And it's just a better coached team. They put things together better on Sundays than they previously did. Small mistakes that would just sink previous Texans teams. And I'm not even talking about the two years where they had coaches that we knew were going to be one-and-done coaches. I'm talking about stuff that would sink Bill O'Brien Texans teams is just a little itty bitty step over for D'Amico Ryan's team. They've added a ton of talent, as I mentioned, and that's really paid off from the Dalton Schultzes to the Sheldon Rankins to, you know, getting Blake Cashman extended at the end of last year and giving him the opportunity to play linebacker. He's going to miss this week, but he's been really good for them at linebacker. Uh, you know, Barry in the hatchet with Steven Nelson at cornerback in the offseason, keeping him around when there was a thought that maybe he wouldn't make it past training camp because he was unhappy with his contract. Like they've done a really good job adding talent, putting stuff around, and withstanding some significant injuries. I mean, they've played, my goodness, I think they've played 15 or 16 different offensive line combinations over the course of the season. Um, just a ton of injuries there, and they've been able to sustain it really well. Damian Pierce takes a step back. Boom, they had Devin Singletary ready to go as well. So it's been a really good job putting together a better overall team and coaching it better than even the – you know, probably since Gary Kubiak has been here. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to spend a ton of time on CJ because we obviously won't be able to see him, unfortunately. I mean, there could be a miracle turnaround, but it doesn't – I don't know. Did they roll him out, Cody, or is he – as we sit here recording Thursday night, so – so he, he, he hadn't even made it to the field, the workout stuff yet from the concussion yeah. protocol standpoint. There is the Hail Mary chance that he gets cleared, but I would think with no practice and having not played in two weeks, they probably uh, have him down for this week. Okay, so let's talk Case Keenum, what the differences are. You go into to Tennessee, and, and obviously, you know, Cleveland fans are accustomed to what Case can and can't do. I get that, but, you know, you're talking about the gritty nature of going out and getting a win. I think that sort of defined the Brown season on the same hand that you're talking about this win, because I don't think there was probably a ton of optimism going on the road in case getting a win, even though that Tennessee teams, you know, clearly has its weaknesses. They wear them on their sleeve, but they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're no pushover uh, in that regard. But, but I understand that the case is going to change things. So he gets weapons back. It looks like Nico Collins is trending in the right direction, right? They got Dalton Schultz back last week, feeling a little bit better about things, but what's your sort of, just sort of your opinion, your, your your vibe around the offense coming into what will be a real challenge with the Browns' defense. I think it's real important to note it's a shock that Case Keenum ended up starting. He, he was, he's been the third quarterback all year. Uh, from training camp, even through the regular season, it looked like he didn't have much juice left in his arm. Yeah. Like I mean, he was having trouble hitting 10-yard outs in training camp. Um, it just didn't look like there was a lot left. So it was a big surprise the Texans went with him. Uh, they just trusted him to take care of the football a little bit more, not make as many mistakes, operate better. And that's what they're going to try to do is give him some easy, quick stuff. This offensive line, I said they've sustained through the injuries. They still allow a good amount of pressure. 
And especially when you think about what the Browns can bring to the table, they've got to get Case some quick and easy stuff. So that's Robert Woods running four yards, turning around, catching the ball as fast as he can. That's little dump offs. You know, the screen game didn't really work well last week. They threw the ball sideways a lot and they didn't block it well. Mm -hmm. That was a big talking point this week is like execution on offense has got to be better. So some quick stuff to the side, short passes. And then when he does have a little bit of time, they're going to run a lot of that in-breaking stuff over the middle. They're not going to try to attack down the sidelines and try to attack deep like they would with CJ. Case can't make those throws on a consistent basis. And the big thing I'd think about with Case, and he happened in the Tennessee game, he needed to kind of get warmed up. Now, maybe that was having two starts in three sure. years, but he had to knock some rust off, put some oil on the creaky arm before he could really start zipping it where he needed to put it. Now, he got going right about the second quarter, and certainly in the second half, he was putting it where it needed to go. But he needed kind of like a warm-up moment in that game. So I'll be interested to see if that occurs early on against this Browns team. Because if you're a second too late, I mean, that, that could be disastrous. Or you make the wrong decision like he did against Tennessee through the pick six. I mean, that, could, that you're not coming back from a pick six against this Browns team like you did against Tennessee. Like, it's going to be way too tough to overcome some big mistakes. So, Case, part of the reason they haven't been there is he takes care of the football, so he's going to take care of the football. And certainly that's going to be his his modus operandi for Sunday. Yeah, what's going to be fascinating is the Browns like to play man at a higher clip than pretty much anybody in the league, and they like to funnel you middle. They like to have a low sitter, and they like to have a free safety sitter to cut crossers. So, how they combat that and try to maybe put Case on the sideline a little bit because that's where they can find some windows. That's that's you're talking about the biggest battle of the game in the passing game. Uh, that'll certainly be it. We know that's Nico. We know Noah Brown, another Ohio State guy. A lot of connections here outside of the obvious Deshaun Watson stuff that links sides. I I, I tend to feel. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I know the Ohio side's a little different feel than the than the than the Houston side about the alternate franchise, but just a lot of um, parts of the Houston. Uh, operation that I'm really drawn to and obviously I'm in Columbus and we're all drawn to CJ so we've been watching from afar but Noah Brown's a great story talk about Robert Woods Nico Collins Tank Dell's injury pretty pretty impactful though he was doing a lot of really great things right man he opened up so much stuff he could do so many things they played him inside they played him outside I mean he 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 made he made everybody's job so much easier that's a really rough one to have a a loss there We'll talk about the O-line because Laramie Tunzel, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm watching from afar, Cody. He left the game with the knee. It's something that's been going on sort of perpetually all year. What's the vibe around that? Yeah, he's good to go. He'll play. He'll play. He's not Laramie Tunzel of the past couple of years, though. Like, I think it's really important. Like, he's still really good. He's just not that almost all-pro, all-pro caliber like he was last year because the knee is bothering him just a little bit. Like, he, I mean, he basically doesn't practice on Wednesdays. Like he, I don't, I can't tell you the last time he practiced on a Wednesday this season, Yeah. Uh, but he goes Thursdays, he goes Fridays and he goes on game day. Um, it's worth noting last year. And I'm sure you know, this miles Garrett sort of avoided Laramie Tunsil by sort of schematically and just talking to some Texans players and the organization after that game, like that, there was a, a on purpose to keep Garrett away from Tunsil. I don't believe that's going to be the case this year. Sure, Miles will move around because he can do anything. Yeah. But I don't a, a a hindered Laramie Tunsil is a much better matchup than healthy Tunsil from a year ago or previous stops against Miles Garrett. And Tunsil will tell you, Miles Garrett's his favorite guy to go up against. He thinks he's uh, probably the best guy doing it. And so that's a fascinating watch. I'm super worried about Miles Garrett on George Fant at right tackle. Fant's been 
pretty good at right tackle for most of the year. But, man, that's a really tough matchup for him. The Texans are going to have to have some extra stuff there, you know, chipping Garrett, keeping a tight end in. Really, they got one tight end that just is just a blocker, so I'll be interested to see if he's on the field a bunch. Brevin Jordan can't block very well. Yeah. Dalton Schultz has had some Olay moments at the tight end spot, so it's tough to see that matchup. And then on the inside, from guard to guard, you know, Shaq Mason's been up and down. Michael Dieter's a fine backup player. Uh, he can be exposed when he goes against premier talent, though, like uh, it, it happened against Quinn Williams a couple weeks ago. And then at left guard, Juice Scruggs, the rookie, it's it's very much up and down. I and mean, he's playing, I think, his fourth or fifth NFL game because he missed most of the year with an injury. So, And he's not typically a left guard. He's actually a center. So, you know, it's very up and down from guard to guard. Tunsil's good, but he's not great. And then Fant's a huge question mark. Yeah, I think when we look back at the end of this game, it's how well do they block the four, right? The Browns don't. They don't tend to go blitz crazy. They will in those predictable pass situations, but they think they can they can bring four, you know, between Tomlinson, Zadarius, and Miles, whoever they kind of alternate. Shelby Harris gets a little bit of there uh, as well, and then you know cover with six, but play man in a very unique way that's different than most teams in the league. So that's that's where the battle will be, right? The teams that have given them fits, the Rams recently because Matt Stafford led the league in time to throw the ball was out lightning fast. And then they, the week before they played the Broncos and, and Russell Wilson was able to just sort of vertically extend in the pocket. So I know Case is going to have to trend toward the, ver you know, getting the football out lightning fast. We'll pay attention to how the Browns try to combat that. Obviously, that'll be the battle of that side of the game. Uh, let's switch to defense. There are four, three, I believe, you know, if the Browns had Joe Woods previously, he's connected to the 49ers regime, more defensive back than the front. D'Amico's obviously heavily connected to what they've done there for a long time. So I would imagine there's some similarities, the general structure. I was looking at this stuff, Cody. I know that they play quarters among the highest usage teams in the league. I think they're third in the, in the, in the NFL in quarters. Not a surprise. Joe Woods, big quarters user, cover six, right? Uh, they don't do, they don't get too crazy in man. But I, what I'm curious about when we look at this, obviously, you know, Will Anderson, well worth the pick, right? You know, worth the aggressiveness to go get him. He's had a great year, but he's, trending toward missing this game too how are they generating pass rush without him are they going are they getting some uplifting performances from some other names that browns fans should know or are they bringing pressure are they getting unique playing line games up front what's the what's the uh, modus there so the big thing you need to know about this what the way D'Amico prefers to run this thing is he doesn't like the blitz i mean okay. he'll throw a blitz in there every now and then um he's he's thrown a linebacker blitz in there up the middle a couple different times last week the play that bent will levis up and got him knocked out of the game was a, was a nickel corner blitz that he sent but he trusts those four guys to go out there and, and try to win it's a rotating cast at that fourth spot that's that's anderson's spot so Derek barnett has played a little bit jerry hughes has played a little bit um so, so there's some veteran guys with some experience majai sanders who was with Arizona previously, who's who's on the team now. He gets a cut, little bit of run. But the guys you got to worry about are the three vets that are still there on that line. Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins up the middle. Yeah. They push, push, push. And, man, I, I they've done some high-low stuff on quarterbacks this year that I'm surprised guys are walking away from it. They get a ton of pressure up the middle. D'Amico Ryans constantly talks about how the defensive tackle spot is where everything starts with his defense. And then Jonathan Grenard, who's in his contract year with this Texans team, is finally healthy, 12 and a half sacks. He's had multiple games with multiple sacks. He's constantly getting pressure. I mean, he may hit free agency 
with one of the biggest sack numbers we've ever seen. I think about Trey Hendrickson a couple of years ago yeah. when he had the big number and he hit free agency. You know, Grenard finally healthy. He's been a monster. Long arms, despite not being a tall guy, and a good run stopper, despite not being a big, thick guy. So those three guys are how they get pressure, and they really live off of that. If they don't get pressure, guys pick them apart. I mean, it, Zach Wilson a couple of weeks ago, as bad as he's been, you know, he he kind of like what you said with uh, with Russell Wilson. He kind of extended the pocket back and was able to make some throws. But even just the quick decisions, if you're not getting some sort of pressure, they don't bat a lot of balls down, but they trust those four guys to get the pressure. And when it's not getting home, they, they have a tough time playing defense. Yeah, it's actually interesting looking at things, how they, they played the waiver wire game here with Derek Barnett, and then you said Majai Sanders there. And then, then recently, I know the Browns put in a claim for Tier Tart as well. Is there an expectation that they're going to try to get him a couple snaps in this one? I would I would think so. I mean, they've got a lot of defensive tackles. I mean, they've got um, they got Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins that play a lot. Khalil Davis is a former USFL guy who's had a couple of sacks this season for the Texans. Has been a real nice player. Kurt Heinish has been around for a while. Uh, I would think if Tart's up to speed, he's active and, and ready to go. Just to spell like Rankins and Collins have been getting banged up a little bit over the course of the year. So if you could steal a couple of snaps with Tart on the field in place of those guys, just so they're a little bit fresher come third quarter, fourth quarter, you may see that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hit real quick on the back half here. So, I mean, the linebacker spot, they're probably playing two linebackers a good amount. I would imagine obviously heavy nickel usage teams around the league. Uh, is it Christian Harris, Denzel Perriman or those guys, uh, those guys finding the most snaps. And I, I, if I believe Christian, Christian Harris can move pretty well. So it's a, it's a pretty mobile group there. Harris is Harris had, has had a couple of really bad games, but he always bounces back. He's he's a freaky athlete. Was a former DB in high school, mm -hmm. uh, and Saban turned him into a linebacker. And he, he's very, he's much better at diagnosing plays than the even the beginning of the season. Um, he was all over Derrick Henry last week, and he sort of had the energy early on, like they were a little flat. And he's tackling Derrick Henry, and he's talking mess to Derrick Henry. He kind of brought the energy up. Perryman's a liability in coverage. He's been matched up in some really weird moments where he's been in coverage, um, but he can thump and really attack the rushing game. If Henry Toto is on the field, that's a guy that gets attacked in coverage a lot as well. The rookie from Bama, uh, they go after him. Cashman not playing is, is tough. He's their He's been their best linebacker all year. So him missing is really tough for the short stuff, diagnosing things. But Perryman and Harris work together as a pretty good tandem. Um, and then from the secondary standpoint, Jalen Petrie is, is a liability in coverage. That's what I was going to ask if he's had. I know there was some rough moments his rookie year. And I actually, if I recall, Cody, I think he he picked off Watson in that game in Houston uh, early. But I know that there's some data that doesn't say he had a great year. He he has not had anywhere close to even last year, which was kind of a uh, there were some Fugazi moments there yeah. where the stats look good, but actually the play with. I mean, he's a total liability in coverage. Guys get behind him frequently. Last week, D'Amico Ryan's bailed him out by challenging a play and Hopkins actually, you know, not being able to catch the ball. Petrie's a liability, but Jimmy Ward's going to play despite getting knocked out of the game last week. He's going to play. That helps their communication a lot. And then Nelson and Stingley have been nasty at the corner spot. They've yeah. been really good. I'll be interested to see if they get physical with Amari Cooper, because that's kind of the, the, the book, you know, listening to guys talk this week is if you get real physical with Amari Cooper, he doesn't like to get physical. Um, that's not typically how they do things. They like to have a little bit of cushion and kind of adjust as the routes get run. And then the guy that I think is, is really to pay attention to in the secondary is Desmond King. They grabbed this guy off of waivers. I mean, off the street, excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, he was in camp and training camp. 
went to Pittsburgh, was a free agent. They brought him back. He's been one of their better players the past few weeks from that nickel corner spot. He tackles really well, led the team in tackles last week. Uh, he can blitz, like I mentioned. He was this nickel blitz uh, that, that beat up Levis. That's a guy you got to pay attention to, and his coverage has been better than the previous nickel corner, Tavier Thomas, whose season's over. Yeah, another guy that we're familiar with there, former Brown. Yeah, there's so many connections between these two franchises. It should be a really fun game. It's ironic. You don't see this often where you get a team going to the same place two years in a row, so we'll get a run back. Obviously, last year, Deshaun was really bad in that debut there, and I, I think Davis Mills started in or not Davis Mills, actually. I can't remember who started. Uh, one of the Allens. Um, it was a Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen started, and there was some real rough moments in that. And I know that both teams are starting backup quarterbacks here, so this has a chance to be some mishap football. But I actually think it's going to be a cleaner game from that perspective because if you remember last year, there was like a quarterback sneak. That was a fumble that turned into a touchdown, a punt return that turned into a touchdown. I don't think we're going to see that kind of craziness, but I do think we're going to see two defenses that are going to play pretty well and make things difficult for the offense. As we close, Cody, I don't do predictions so much as I just do kind of the vibe. Like what's your confidence level that the Texans can get this one done? The confidence level is low. I know Keenum took care of business last week against Tennessee, but the defense played lights out after the first drive. Like they're not going to do that against Joe Flacco. <clears throat> he's not Will Levis. Like he can get, he can still throw the deep ball. So you're, he's going to get behind Jalen Petrie at some point and have an opportunity there. Um, they, they, they don't consistently get home enough for me to think that they're going to distract and beat Flacco up enough to win this thing. And I don't know how they're scoring. I really don't. Um, I know they ran the ball really well last week. They have not consistently run the football in Houston. So I don't expect them to have a great rushing attack, but if they run the ball, well, case does enough, you know, Nico Collins coming back is certainly big, but I just don't know how, how Houston's going to move the football. And I don't know how the Texans score enough. And then also keep the Browns off the scoreboard enough to get a win. What's funny, these two teams are kind of following just last week. I know CJ has completely changed the scope of things, but last week the theory was just just sort of hang in there, let the defense play well, keep you in the game, and then do just enough on offense. That's been kind of the Browns' formula because they've rotated four quarterbacks in and out of this thing. That's what I think both teams are going to be trying to do. So I actually think it's an interesting opportunity for these two teams to get really creative, maybe some trick plays, maybe some funky stuff, as they know points will be really valuable in this one however they can come across them it should be a it should be a good game largely because it's two teams really driven to get it and that makes for an interesting contest cody we really appreciate the insights unparalleled man to get us ready for this one so thank you again anytime man anytime thank you for having me all right guys big thanks to cody stopping by giving us all the texans insights we could possibly need i feel more prepared to watch and break down this game hopefully you guys feel the same a reminder once again how thankful i am i know andrew is as well for the um, you know donations, gifts, um, I'm not sure how to label it, right? It's uh, it's a lot of you guys just being thankful and saying as much. And I, and again, I plan to once my week slows down, thanking each one of you individually who reached out and did that. And if you did not, and you want to still, opportunity to still do so in the uh, description of the pod. You can find a link to donate some money to the podcast for the year's content and all that fun stuff. But again, we're going to get very diverse. We're going to get very. Uh, I think in a way that makes a subscription worth it to you guys form a great community. I'm pumped about where it can go. A lot of you have responded positively to that very few negative comments at all. Again, it's not going to break the bank, very affordable, uh, but I think it will help the production of the show to be everything you want it to be. And that's again, what the, the biggest goal is, is to make the show better and make you enjoy your Cleveland Browns more and form a great community in doing so. So we will, Keep you apprised of all of that information. I want you guys to have a fantastic Friday. 
as I always say, thanks for spending time out of your day to listen to this show. That means the world to me. And the and the lately, the reviews of the podcast have been uh, phenomenal, and I can't thank you guys enough for that as well. I'm feeling very thankful here before Christmas, if you can't tell. So, uh, again, guys, I appreciate you much, and we uh, sign off with our usual Go Browns. Go Browns.